Good morning, everyone. Lee Henson here, president and founder of Agile Dad, and welcome to today's edition of the Daily Stand-Up. Without any further ado, let's get started. I received an email recently with a request for a podcast idea from my good friend Jenna. She writes, I wondered if you could cover this topic in your podcast sometime soon. I have a team that struggles with breaking down user stories into tasks. They've created many waterfalls where one dev sees each story through until testing time. Instead of swarming around stories in priority order, we end up dragging out all the story work until the last day or two of a sprint. How can I help the team write better tasks and better stories? Good question, Jenna. So for starters, I want to address that this falls into the category of symptomatic and not really addressing the actual problem at hand. There are a couple of actual problems that we're going to talk about, but I first want to start by addressing the symptom. First and foremost, it sounds like you have a team of people who may not be T-shaped individuals. It sounds like these individuals are comfortable or are most in their comfort zone when they're working on very specific topics or stories or tasks and they don't necessarily like branching out and doing different things. If I had to take a stab or a guess, I'd guess that this team's probably been together for some time. Uh, if not, that they've at least been in a company for some time and that they've been very familiar with the work they've worked on and have entered a grown zone or a comfort zone. Uh, two things that come to mind right away. First, uh, you mentioned that they struggle to break down user stories into tasks. While I focus my attention on tasks minimally, I still feel like the user story portion is the most important piece. In other words, here's an example. I was in an organization where we had a really, really high performing team and uh, we had two individuals on this team. Uh, the first individual was named Igor, and uh, the first thing he would do when he went into sprint planning, or when he left sprint planning, I should say, is he would take all the tasks that were there, and he would delete all the tasks and create one task called Do It, and it drove management nuts. It drove him crazy, but the truth was he didn't want to have 100 tasks to keep track of. He just wanted to get his work done in a way that was comfortable for him, and using Do It for him was the way that he did that. In the same organization or group, we had another young lady named Xian Li. She was absolutely brilliant at what she did, but if she didn't have a task for it, it wasn't going to get done. I mean, she had tasks that said, breathe in, breathe out, breathe in, breathe out. My guess is she was a big Bush fan. There's your joke for all of you who are looking for it. But but the point is, if she didn't have a test for that, she wa or I should say a task, she wasn't going to get it done. It was just, in her eyes, everything needed a task. But the truth is... Even in these organizations where people struggle to break things down, the core problem is that they really don't understand the benefits of WIP limits or work in progress limits. Uh, anytime an organization really doesn't emphasize or place importance on WIP limits, what ends up happening is stories all become miniature waterfalls. And uh, each person feels like they're so overtasked or that they're spread so thin or that they're on multiple teams working on multiple projects or they're spread across multiple backlog items that if they don't do work on one and see it all the way through, that uh, they have no business jumping on another. So they're going to leverage WIP and say, you know, I'm only supposed to be working on one thing at a time, so I'm going to see it through unit testing and then I'm going to jump to the next story. Or I'm going to see it through to until uh, it's time to throw it over the fence to testers, which leads to problem number two. Problem number two is what I mentioned in the very beginning, T-shaped individuals versus I-shaped individuals. 
a T-shaped individual is what we're looking for in the Agile team. We're not looking for someone who has mad development skills without the ability to test, or someone who's the most prolific tester on the planet, but couldn't write a lick of code. We need someone who can do both. So we need somebody who can both address the testing needs and the build needs for the team. And we're starting to see that line blur in many organizations. Now, while they're not doing away with automated test specialists or maybe with a final launch test team or things along those lines, most organizations are starting to have developers test each other's work. Uh, And I'm not saying developers with no testing skills. I want to be careful here. We need to get in the habit of creating these T-shaped individuals. And the best way to do that is by letting them do pairing and peer reviews. Now, if we journey back in time to extreme programming, one of the tenets of extreme programming was that no developer should ever have anything in their queue for longer than a 24-hour period or for longer than a day. If they did, it became free game for someone else to pick up and finish. I thought that idea was absolutely brilliant then, and I still do now. I think that we need to get on a bandwagon of finishing what we start, but at the same time, we can't have eight or ten things in queue and work minimally on each one. So this is one of those times where at sprint planning, when we sign up for the tasks, we've made a grave error. So let me explain. If you're in the same situation that my good friend Jenna is, what you might see happening is at sprint planning, people want to or have a desire to break everything down into minutia related tasks. They create these miniature waterfalls as you're describing. And what they'll do is they'll begin working on item number one. They'll get it somewhere in that 70 to 80% finished range and they'll say, I'm bored. I have many other tasks that I can work on. Squirrel, and they'll go work on a second one. Squirrel, then they'll go work on a third one. Squirrel, the fourth one. And what winds up happening is at the end of the sprint or nearing the end of the sprint with a day or two left, you've got eight to 10 tasks that are all 80% done. When they realize they're approaching the end of the sprint, panic mode sets in. And for the last day or two of the sprint, they get everything into a testing time frame which doesn't allow for people, whether it's another developer or a group of testers, it doesn't allow enough time for those people to close out and get those things tested properly. So either A, you end up releasing things that have crappy quality, or B, you end up releasing things that just haven't been well vetted and haven't been well tested and haven't been peer reviewed. And I think the big key that I'm trying to send home here is that there's three things here that need to be covered or three things that need to be addressed in order for this problem to be resolved. The first one is, we need to come to the understanding that the tasks belong to the team. If the team decides they want 100 tasks or one task for something, that totally falls inside of the team's realm, and we shouldn't necessarily be using tasks to govern or judge the performance of a team. Two, when it comes to user stories, we want to make sure that we create them small in size. Now, I know that's not always incredibly easy, but the smaller the stories, the easier they are to consume. And this means that the product owner should have the assistance of a business analyst, functional analyst, technical analyst, and other stakeholders to help them really get their head around the context of the story, who it's going to benefit, what problem it's trying to solve, and how it's going to be implemented so that they can make sure they're writing stories in a way that makes sense that appeal to our target consumers. The next thing we have to worry about is implementing some type of whip limit at the story level. Uh, indicating that it's better for a developer or for someone who's writing code to pick up one story and uh, not pick up a second one until they finish the first one. And then they can pick up a second story, you know, after they finish the first one, thereby uh, instructing them or promoting that they finish things inside of the boundaries of a sprint. 
as opposed to dragging it all out until the last day or two of a sprint, which is common. But this is also common behavior of someone who either has certain code ownership or feels like they have implied code ownership or someone who has been working on a team where they've been dinged in the past for not meeting certain certain commitments. So they feel like holding on to these treasures, if you will, is going to be the only way that they can uh, get things done. Now, ideally, as you mentioned, I'd love to see these teams swarm around stories in rank order. I'd love to see them work together and do pairing and peering, even even uh, you know mob programming if necessary, to swarm and get as many of these stories out the door as they can. The key here is what you mentioned in the very end, that the team is finding excuses to drag out all the story work until the last day or two of a sprint. So one of the things that I've tried in practice as a coach is to reduce the sprint length. Uh, I've even cracked down and said we're going to do one-week sprints instead of, instead of two-week sprints or asked the team if they would rather go in more of a, a lean Kanban workflow or a scrum bomb workflow where we're doing first in, first out, and they're only allowed to address one item at a time, but they're required to at least have one additional set of eyes look at it, whether it's a peer review or a pair. This helps because then you end up getting things completed earlier in a sprint, so that way if you do need to have a second set of eyes take a look at it, you have enough time or ample time to get that testing in. The other benefit of this, the other thing that it does, is it helps us get rid of those mini waterfalls that you were describing. You know, it, it teaches the importance of completion, and I think that the big thing that stands out to me here is the word accountability. Nowhere in this topic do I see that word. And I think that the teams don't feel like accountability is important because as long as they get things done within the time frame, they are being rewarded or, or accoladed for finishing things within the time frame, even though they're not truly finished. And I think there's a clear misunderstanding between the work that's been delved out to them uh, or that they've signed up for versus the work that needs to be completed. There's some contextual element here that's not being captured. There's something that's missing. There's something that's awry. But I definitely see the flares in the air on this one. So my recommendation would be uh, either shorten the sprint length or make sure you Im implement, uh, as part of your team working agreement, uh, the peer review system where you have people who test and uh, write the code. And that'll express the importance of them being able to keep up with each other and uh, having more than one set of eyes looking at code is always a good thing. And then finally, making sure you have things that are small in size and that the product owner gets the help they need at the backlog item level to get this resolved. From a reporting perspective, you briefly mentioned burn down charts. I don't know that that's always the most accurate portrayal of everything that's happening. While it's a real cool looking chart and it gives you some ideas, I'd almost rather see you use cumulative flow or burn up charts to show what's being done, to show what's at risk, to show what's being completed, and to give a more clear forecasting mechanism for leadership and for others to use. So I hope you found that topic helpful, and I hope that answers your question. As always, if you have a question you'd like to ask, we'd love to invite you to hit us at learnmore@agiledad.com. We'd love to answer your questions in this podcast. And as always, we encourage you to stay healthy, stay well. And as always, stay agile. Stay true to yourself, my friends. Until next time, take care.